0: Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the pool, and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all. Papa. Hello and welcome to Just Quietly. My name is Amanda Stoker and it is my pleasure to have on the podcast this afternoon a very good friend of mine, a person I think is the best local member I have ever seen in terms of the way that he goes about caring for his community and also an Assistant Minister in the Morrison Government. Welcome, Luke.
1: Well, thanks Senator Stoker. It's great to be with you and uh, it's... it's uh it's always good to uh, to talk to you and I look forward to what you got to say. So Luke, what
0: is your official title as an Assistant Minister?
1: Yeah, look, it's uh, Assistant Minister for Community Housing, Homelessness and Community Services and my role uh, works under the social services portfolio.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, there will be some people who listen to my podcast who are... As nerdy about the constitution as I can be sometimes, and they'll say, But uh, hang on, aren't most of those things state responsibilities? What's the go there? Tell me how your work fits in with the work of state governments.
1: Well, absolutely, uh, states do have the prime responsibility for housing and homelessness, but the federal government does fund the states and provide additional support to help vulnerable people. And so, my role is to work with state housing ministers, we provide over $6 billion a year in support, uh, some $1.6 billion a year to state governments through the National Housing and Homelessness Agreement. Mm-hmm. And I've been working in a bilateral, bipartisan way with individual housing ministers, looking at their homelessness figures, looking at how community housing has been rolled out in their state and working out together how we can assist more people.
0: So for people who don't work in this space all the time... What is community housing as opposed to things they might otherwise understand, like, say, private rental or public housing? What's community housing?
1: I guess there's three different types of housing. Most people would be aware of state government housing. The federal government doesn't own any homes. Mm -hmm. All the homes are owned by state governments, and that's called social housing or public housing. Yep. And the way that works is the states generally charge... About twenty five percent of a person's income. So mm-hmm. if they're on uh, government support and earn about three hundred dollars a week on New Start or mm-hmm. five fifty at the moment through Job Seeker, yep. the state governments charge about twenty five percent rent. Community housing is mainly done through not for profit organisations. So yep. an example of community housing might be the Salvation Army or Saint Vincent de Paul or Brisbane Housing Corporation in our state, where they have a range of people living in their homes. So it might be someone uh, earning about $800 a week and they pay roughly about 30% of their income to the community housing organisation. If they're earning $400 a week, then they'd pay 30% or half the rate of the person earning 800 So you get different levels of people that earn different amounts, but they pay about 30% of their income.
0: So it's something and like... And thirdly, of course, sorry, is the so private it, yeah.
1: sector. All those people that own investment properties that play an important role in providing stock to people that need to rent.
0: So community housing really is, um, I guess, a, a level in a cost sense in between the private market and public housing.
1: Well, it is, and they tend to get uh, fairly good for money. I, I think community housing providers generally uh, get good deals when they look after their stock. One of the problems that state governments have is an aging fleet of homes so to speak. Yep. and a lot of the, the, the money that we give them uh, goes on maintenance. They have a lot of high costs involved and particularly in regional areas. if, if you're talking about the Western Australian government, they need to do maintenance uh, you know up in, the, up in Broome or the Kimberley. Uh, It's quite expensive to get tradespeople there to to go and do the work needed or in our own state of Queensland, uh, it might be regional homes out west uh, or up in far north Queensland, which can be quite expensive.
0: One of the things I've observed about you, Luke, in the way that you care for your constituents is um, that you do it with a lot of heart. And I don't say that in a flippant way because... One of the things I think is really important is that people understand that the conservative side of politics isn't just about dollars and cents. We um, care a lot about things like the economy because of the way that it allows us to care for those who are in bad circumstances and it helps um, to have a flourishing economy because there is – dignity and satisfaction and pride that comes from uh, being able to uh, have an opportunity to support yourself. With all of that in mind, um, I think it's wonderful that a caring person like you um, is looking over the area of homelessness. Tell us something about the nature of the problem and um, whether or not the problem has changed in the face of the COVID-19 challenges?
1: Well, in relation to homelessness, it is quite diverse. There's roughly about 0.5% of the Australian population who are considered homeless at the last census, which is done every five years, it was about 116,000 people homeless out of 25 million. Now, out of that 8,200 or less than about 8%, 7% of people are rough sleepers. So they're the people that you see on the street uh, with yeah, nowhere to, no shelter over their head each night. They might be living in a tent or perhaps sleeping in their car. Mm-hmm. Then you've got other, you might have, listeners might have friends that have gone through a marriage breakup, for example, and their mate wanted to crash on their lounge that's called couch surfing mm-hmm. so that makes up another sort of 17 and a half thousand people at the last census in that category okay there's another category called boarding houses and most people would think oh well if you're in a boarding house you're actually housed but not always so because there's no sort of tenure it's done week by week mm-hmm. and there's not privacy if someone was living in a boarding home and wanted their mother to come over for a cup of tea. They don't really have anywhere privately to meet and, and just chat uh, from the other places. I went to a boarding house recently in Shawncliffe mm. uh, in the electorate next door to me and there were 16 people living in that boarding house all paying about $230 a week, men and women, and they had one shower and one toilet be t- before all of them to share, but nowhere to for privacy. So there's another group there. Those groups over the last sort of... 20 years haven't – they've actually fallen in some cases to a degree. Rust sleepers have stayed about the same or I, I do suspect in the last four years have gone up a little bit since the last census. The big growth areas in homelessness is in the areas of supported accommodation. So when people are actually escaping, for example, domestic violence right, uh, and they go into accommodation for a few weeks – they're considered homeless because they don't have any tenure. Okay. Uh, There are approaches where you can move to a housing first approach where you could actually offer tenure and you'd move a lot of people out of homelessness there and to housed. The biggest growth area but in relation to homelessness is overcrowding and that might be, for example, in Sydney or Melbourne where you have some international students or young people where they might be in a two-bedroom unit and they've got, four bunk beds in each room and there's four people in a room. That's considered homelessness because there's no privacy and there's some 51,000 people living in that category of homelessness at the last census. The other big area in overcrowding would be in rural areas, particularly in the Northern Territory. There was 11,000 people in the Territory uh, and that affects people living in rural areas, often Indigenous Australians and others.
0: It's really interesting that what um, the mind conjures when you think of homelessness um, doesn't sound as though it constitutes even um, the majority of the people who fall within the stats for what what amounts to homelessness. Um, has that definition changed in recent times? Because um, there is a mismatch between... Um, the numbers and and what we imagine when we think of them.
1: Well, most people when they think of homelessness would think of rough sleepers. That's people right on the street. And yeah. So when we say, "Look, there's 116,000 people there," uh, that's not the case. You go, about, "Whoa, yeah, that's a that's really a bad problem." But there's about 10,000, and uh, but it and is, that's still a bad problem. Yeah. I mean,
0: there's still 10,000 people.
1: And when I've been into places like boarding houses, it, it is not great, and uh, it, they they're classed as homeless for a reason. Uh, the same with couch surface so there they are areas that can be worked on and i believe that results can uh, be reduced particularly when you look at support of accommodation Mm -hmm. and even in boarding houses one of the things i've been discussing with state ministers is doing a joint letter with myself and other state ministers uh, and sort of sending out to those boarding houses the owners saying thank you for the work you do you may not be aware but that your boarding house is classed as homeless, and there's a few simple things you could do to r- help move people out. That would involve offering them tenure of even just a couple of months, a two or three month lease, as opposed to week by week. Yep. And often people resist that because they think, well, if people play up, I want to remove them if they've got a.
0: Which I can appreciate. A landlord should have.
1: That's right. Some rights in the, that respect. There are one of the things they raise with me is they might have a percentage of tenants that. Have a drug issue, yeah. and so they go. Well, if they've got a drug issue, I can't remove them. But I'd sort of argue that if it's breaking the laws of the land with illegal drugs, there probably is cases to do so anyway. But if they offered tenure, and if they did some small extensions and fixed up the boarding houses, put in more bathrooms, uh, showers, perhaps an area where mm-hmm. they could meet in private, and keep in mind those things that tax deductible that's why we have negative gearing and we fought hard not to remove that at the last election yeah those sort of you'd then be able to move people into a better form of housing which wouldn't be classed as homeless Mm -hmm. Uh, so i've asked state governments to do that some of the issues but is that some of their own states don't count those people as homeless when they seek public housing so if you want to get into public housing in some states if you're living in a boarding house or you're living in overcrowded areas or even in a car, they might say, oh, no, well, you're not homeless, you know, you're not on the street. So there is a discrepancy in between what the federal government counts and, and what some states do as well.
0: In terms of making progress towards um, solving this problem, what are some of the most interesting or ingenious issues um, projects or solutions that you've seen on the ground um, that might present some of the opportunities into the future for improving the lives of people facing these difficult circumstances?
1: Well, it is a a complicated area and when I get out and engage with people uh, in the sector and I've spoke with over 300 groups in the last 12 months around the country that are involved in this space and thank them for the work that they're doing – there's a n- there's a number of things that can be done but obviously building more social housing or more community housing does help and a lot of that 1.6 billion that we give state governments as i said before is spent on maintenance mm-hmm. and a relatively small amount of states are building new housing now primarily the responsibility does rest with them and i'd like to see them build more homes mm-hmm. uh That's one area. They could also support community housing organisations. Now, the New South Wales government has done a fairly good job in doing that. Other states have been a little bit resistant towards that. They might want to keep the jobs in the public service, for example, as opposed to the not-for-profit Right, different different goals. (laughs) That's right. And so when I look at community housing organisations, like in Brisbane, uh, Brisbane Housing Corporation, I think they do a pretty good job. And they also then have access to federal government Commonwealth rent assistance, which is some $4.5 billion a year that we invest to help people in the private rental market or in community housing afford to put a roof over their head. So whilst the federal government doesn't Mm -hmm. own homes, we're doing a lot to support states and individuals get ahead. Of course... One of the frustrations is in relation to transitional homes. Often these transitional homes are very good. Uh, they, pr- they have privacy. Uh, they have uh, good conditions as far as bathrooms and, s- and so forth. I looked at a home recently that the Salvation Army had and it was fantastic. But often they'd be classed as homeless because they have no tenure. So if, if people are escaping DV, as I said before, and they're just there for a few weeks, they don't get a two-month lease. But the feedback is, is that often they are there for a couple of months. So there is an approach which a lot of people in the sector talk about, the housing-first approach, mm-hmm. where you put people into housing, you give them a tenancy, and then you provide the wraparound services they need. That would move people out of homelessness. And overall, it would probably save federal government and state government money in the long run because when you have people sleeping rough on the street and it quickly their mental health can deteriorate and then that costs the health system more might be the state health system or the federal health system you also have issues with policing uh, whereas if you can get people housed their mental health starts to improve Mm -hmm. But across all governments, I guess, we're very sectored in different departments. You know, oh, that's the health department and yeah. that's the housing department. But if you can look at savings across overall, I think most people would support a housing-first approach.
0: It's um, dealing with some of the most complex people in our community, really. They'll all be different, but some will have mental health problems, some will have um, violence in their background, and... Um, Either as a victim or as a perpetrator, um, some will have drug issues. There's there's all kinds of reasons that somebody might end up in this kind of situation, um, and I I accept the argument that there's value in providing a, a complex kind of assistance solution to help people get through that. The um, the counter argument, I suppose, is that it could create perverse incentives. Um, do you think that's a real risk from providing? Um housing services of that kind. You know, the idea that it might provide a disincentive for those who are able to make it on their own to do so.
1: Well, touching on what we spoke about before as I guess coalition members yeah. and a coalition government, we want all people to get ahead. Yep. And the way I approach life and generally people in my electorate and with what I'm doing as the assistant minister here is that life is about relationships, that mm-hmm. everyone matters and we want to see the best yep. in everyone. Yep. So we don't want people to be dependent on government. No. We don't want them to be stuck in housing commission for their whole life. In fact, we want them to get ahead, to be able to get a job, to be able to improve their mental health, to be able to...
0: Climb um, the ladder in terms yeah. of their and of housing their own, circumstance. And get their own
1: place one day. And yeah. that's why the federal government as well offers a lot of incentives like the first home loan super saver scheme where mm-hmm. they can get a you know, save quicker for a deposit and then more recently the first home deposit scheme we also a lot of that falls under the federal housing minister um, minister suka yep and then he also has access to nific where we're helping support a lot of community housing organizations i think we've had some 1.3 billion dollars in the recently going to the community housing sector
0: so that's the indigenous finance corporation for people who aren't up with the the acronyms? So,
1: so there's a there's a number of different uh, areas that the federal government is investing to help people get ahead but look I think if we approach it that we want everyone to get ahead and, and be continually better themselves and we don't want them to be dependent on government long term then we can only succeed and help but I think we also need strong safety nets for those people that do find themselves in sure. tough situations and mm-hmm. we do provide that and that's why we always a banging on about the economy, as you'd know, because we want people to get work. We, But those taxes that people pay and businesses pay go back into, support, into providing the strong safety nets that we provide in social services for people with disability and so forth.
0: This is an area where you no doubt face lots and lots of sad stories. But in your time... Been a year now in this role. Tell me a um, a happy story that's been uh, the consequence of of your effort in this role. Have there been any happy endings? There's
1: been there's been a, quite a few happy endings. Uh, I was recently down at a a place in in Tasmania in Hobart, and yeah. it's a a youth service provider and. We also fund a program called the Reconnect Service that Mm -hmm. was started under the Howard government. And what that does is it reconnects young people, particularly under the age of 18, that have had perhaps fights with families, gets them back on the straight and narrow where possible, uh, reconnected with their family to heal that relationship. Great. Uh, But other times, like the provider I went to in Tasmania, just helps mentor them and get them back on their feet. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I met a young man there who had... Who found a wallet on the street? Who did the right thing and brought that wallet back to the owner at an address that was in the driver's license? Yeah, written. On and the it license. took him back to where, to the address where he was as a young man, uh, being looked after by this youth service. And he just said how he'd been able to share with the new manager and the other youth at that venue how. 20 years earlier he'd gone through here and now he was I think married and got a a job and raising his own kids and in a really good space so that was always good.
0: Well if there's um, stories like that emerging as a consequence of work that you and your predecessors have been doing then um, that is that's that's the holy grail of of this field it's um, it's what you're trying to achieve so that is a wonderfully happy story.
1: It is, but I've got, I got to say there's a lot of people that work in this space and they have a strong heart for people. They want people to get ahead and our government is assisting in this area And uh, but always with the thought in mind that we want people to get ahead, not be dependent on government for, forever. And, uh, yeah, there's some, some good stories that we can rightly be proud of there.
0: Luke Howarth, you are the... Um tireless member for petrie but you're also doing a wonderful job in this field thank you so much for making time to come on the podcast and thank you for your um relentless work in the field and finally for your friendship
1: thanks for, to your listeners and thanks for the work that you are doing as the queensland senator it's it's excellent appreciate
0: it cheers